Okay, so this morning we are going to be talking about beyond 2020. How many of you know that it's the year 2020? A fun fact, um, since I was born in the 80s, I'm literally 40 this year. So 20 plus 20 is 40. And how many of you would like 2020 vision? Only five of you. And someone knows the punchline, maybe. Okay, but I, wanted to, I want you to understand that 2020 vision, okay, isn't enough. 2020 vision is not enough. Because in order to be a people who are walking by the Spirit, we have to be a people who can see beyond even the best eyesight we have. We have to have sight beyond sight. You have to be able to see beyond what you see. Now, I know that sounds maybe a little bit strange to some of you. But maybe it's very welcoming for some of you here as well. That you have to be able to see beyond your circumstances, beyond the problems, beyond the things that are happening. So, what I want to take you to is a verse in Ephesians. So, can you read that? Is it too small? If it is, you finally get to use your Bibles. Ephesians we'll get 2020 one. vision. Huh? We'll get 2020 vision. Yeah, we'll get 2020 vision. Hallelujah. Be healed. So, Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord... Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, Paul is literally writing to the Ephesian church, which is to our best of our knowledge, okay, one of the most successful churches during the period of the early church. And he's saying that because of their love for the saints and their devotion and what they're doing, so their action that is an overflow of their hearts, because of that, he is never ceasing to give thanks for them and, and remembering them in his prayers. And what even though they are doing all this good, he's saying, but I want the Lord Jesus to give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, the knowledge of Him, the word there that you can see, knowledge of Him. The word knowledge is the word epinosis, which means an experiential knowledge gained through reason of use. How many of you have heard, uh, have heard of the thing called a toothbrush? No one? Sure. The toothbrush doesn't help your teeth unless you use it. And you can read all you want about toothbrushes, but until you use a toothbrush, you don't have any working knowledge of using a toothbrush. 
And so what, what Paul is saying is that you will catch a revealed knowledge that is gained experientially. See, most people want a revealed knowledge that is gained mentally. Because it's, it's, it, it plays up here, but it never works its way out here. But what he is saying is that he wants God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of a working knowledge of what it means to walk like Jesus. What it means to act like Jesus. To step in step with Jesus. He's talking about an experiential knowledge of Him. And then he says that this, these two things will what? Will having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So that means that there is an eye in your heart that needs light. Isn't that right? There's an eye in your heart that needs light. And so it's very important that we pay attention because I believe that Paul was literally setting the Ephesians up for success when he was doing this. Wouldn't you agree? So what he says is, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called. So when your heart is enlightened, what is restored? Hope. Okay, it's very important that we catch to that. Because without hope, when you are hopeless, there is no faith. You cannot say you have faith, but you do not have hope. Hope gives faith a place to land. Without hope, what does the Bible say in Hebrews 11? It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So without hope, there is no faith. But you might think, well, I have a lot of hope. I hope for a lot of things. But I'm here to tell you that when the Bible talks about hope, it's not talking about a hope which we would relate to as wishful thinking or something that might happen that would be nice. But it's talking about a eager anticipation as if a woman was pregnant with a child and she was waiting for that child to be born. She was anticipating a new life coming into this world. That's the hope that they use in this text. Always. It's an eager expectation. It means that you are convinced that the promise that has been made to you will be fulfilled and you are in anticipation of its fulfillment. So, so it's important that we, that we follow through on that. We want our eyes enlightened so that hope may be restored. Now, when we talk about eyes here, is he talking about the eye of your heart or is he talking about the eyes in your eye sockets? So that means that hope doesn't come from this. It comes from this. How many times have you had your hope stolen by this? Do you remember Peter? He was in the boat with the other disciples when Jesus walked across the water. Do you remember that? You guys know the story? And first they think that it's a ghost. So they ask out. They say, is it you, Master? If it's you, Peter says, 
then bid me to come to you. Now, I don't know about you, but why would you ask a ghost that? It's not the best thing to ask a ghost. And who says the ghost is going to tell you the truth anyway? But fortunately for him, it was Jesus. So, he, so Jesus said, come. And Peter got out the boat. And what most people forget about the story is that Peter walked on the water. Did Peter walk on the water? Yes, it says, Peter walked on the water. And then the waves came. Right? Now, what was Peter? What was his profession? He was a fisherman. And as a fisherman, he knew the sea very well. It would be like a medical professional dealing with healing. It's very difficult because you know so much that your intellect gets in the way of what you're having faith for. And this is the reason why when Peter saw the waves, he had seen those waves a hundred thousand times before. And every time those waves only meant something. They meant destruction, death, or basically almost survival. They meant that you were going to sink. And in your life right now, there are situations and circumstances and things that are like those waves. And you've been walking on the water and suddenly these waves come up. And the minute the wave comes up, you take your eye off of your destiny and you put your eye on the problem. And when that happens, we begin to sink. And you know, we think that's it. It's our chance is over. But Jesus doesn't quit on Peter there. As Peter is sinking, he does one smart thing. Help. Most, most people know that that's a good move. When you're sinking, help. And when he says that, Jesus is there and Jesus picks him up and helps him out. So not only does God want us to learn how to walk on water, but he's also there when we fail to achieve it. Like there's freedom in what I'm saying. Because it means that God doesn't quit on you just because your faith didn't work that time. He knows that you've got to learn and grow in this area. Does that make sense? So yeah, we are. And we're busy reading what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. And I'm, I'm bringing all this in to help you understand a little bit better the context behind this whole thing. So he says... That, your, that, that, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead? So that means that the resurrection of Christ brought something, made something available to every single one of us that wasn't available to us before. Okay. Now, let me ask you, is any of this written in the future tense? In other words, is any of this pointing us to a future time? Like one day, God will open the eyes of our heart. Is, is, is that what he's saying? No, he's saying, I want you to have an experience where you begin to understand 
what you already have. In the fullness of what he's saying. So that means that there is a mindset that is anchored in the idea that there are things that God is still going to do. And as long as we believe God is still going to do something, then it's always in tomorrow. And it's never in today. But my Bible tells me that today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. It never put tomorrow as a day of salvation. So why is it that so many of us are waiting for tomorrow when God wants to bring salvation into today? I want to give you sight beyond sight. And in order to do that, I need to help you understand what it looks like to see beyond what you see. Because what you're seeing today is a product of everything you've saw, seen or sown up until now. Mark, but, there's, but what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about the fact that there's more than one way to see things. We call it perspective, etc., etc. Am I right? Good. Okay. We're going to get back to this, hopefully. But I want to talk about the physical eye. Okay? You happy? All right. Can you read that? Okay. So there's some facts about your eyes. Number one, they heal quickly. It takes about 48 hours for your eye to heal from a scratch. Um, if the human eye was a digital camera, it would have uh, 576 megapixels. How many of you have got a phone like that? Now, that's something to brag about. While a fingerprint has 40 unique characteristics, an iris has 256. And your eyes can only see the light directly from its source or that has been reflected off of the surface of an object. So your eye acts as a receiver of light. Are you seeing a parallel here? Let the eye of your, light, of your heart be enlightened. Your eye cannot see without light. And if you noticed, when it goes dark, it ain't easy to see. So your eye, your human eye needs light in order to see. And in order for you to see, okay, that light is either from its source or it's reflected off of something. That means that as fast as light is, it's still only giving you an image of what has already existed. You see, by the time you see this lid in my hand, it's already been in my hand. The light has come, it has bounced off of this lid... And it has gone to your eye, and your eye is telling your brain, there's a lid in his hand. And he's talking about it, and it's ridiculous. You you get that? So you can only see the past with your human eye. You can never see the future. You can never see the future. You can only see the past with your human eyes. So why is it that we continually allow our human eyes to be the judge for the things that God does in the future that's still supposed to come to us. You see, we all want to see. 
But I'm going to teach you how to see beyond time. Because God's promises are in eternity. His promises are not, they're not glued into your time frame. They're glued into an eternal frame. Which means every second of every day, they're available to you. Listen, they're available right now. Like now. Again, now. In every second of every moment that you find yourself in, this is the reality that we are living in right now. But how do we begin to bring these things out? Well, very easily. Matthew 13, verse 13 to 17. This is why I speak to the people in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. I want you to understand that the word perceive there is like perception. So which it's important to perceive what you see correctly. Okay, he says, For this people's hearts has grown dull. So how do you not, how does your perspective, how do you go deaf and blind, but but still seeing and hearing, when your heart is dead, is blind? Do you understand that? So when your heart is hard, then you can't hear or see, even though you can hear and see. Okay, let me give you an example you'll relate to. Someone walks in the room you really don't like, and they start to say the very same truths that someone that you really would do like is saying, but suddenly you can't hear them. Why? Because your heart is closed off. If you close off your heart, then you are blind. So blindness in the spiritual realm comes from a hard heart. But the good news is that we've received a new heart. Amen? So yeah, Jesus is, 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 is explaining that actually these people, I'm talking to them in stories because if they heard or saw me and they, and they had the right perception, then they would actually repent and I'd have to forgive them. And it wasn't time for that yet. Because Jesus was on a mission. And you can find the other version of this in Mark's gospel. It's Mark 4, I think it is. And it will explain a little bit better for you, to you about what I just said. So the truth about your physical eyes is your eyes can be tricked depending on your focus. And I was going to play a video for you. How many of you have seen the basketball players throwing the ball? And it says, count how many times they throw the ball. And then at the end they say, did you see the gorilla? And you guys, no, there's no gorilla. Then they show you the movie again, and then you see the gorilla. And you are persuaded that they cheated. So you go back to the beginning of the video, and now you're looking for the gorilla. And guess what? There's the gorilla. But you couldn't see the gorilla because you were focusing on counting where the ball was going. You weren't focusing on where the gorilla was. So your focus also determines your perception. I trust you guys are getting a lot out of this this morning. Okay? So it it, it determines your perception. Our eyes can see... um, 
So your eyes can see without perceiving correctly. In other words, it can see but not see, right? It can have the wrong perception. The human eyes at their best can only ever really give us a picture of what has already come into existence. And what we see with our physical eyes is always the end result, never the beginning. This is where things get interesting. How many of you have thought much about your imagination? Christianity, we don't talk about the imagination too much. Now, I want to state this. First of all, every part of you before you were born again was corrupted. And God didn't come to save half of you. He came to save all of you. Which means your imagination is meant to be redeemed. So there will be people who will try and warn you about your imagination. Yes, I'm not telling you to imagine wrong things. I'm telling you to use your imagination to construct right things based on right thinking. Does this make sense to you? Okay, so what is it about the imagination? Well, facts about the imagination. The imagination gives us the ability to imagine things and influences everything we do and everything we create. It literally has a power. Right now, whether you like it or not, you're using your imagination. Because even your physical sight cannot function without your imagination being engaged. If I had to say to you, can you, how many of you ever saw a Jumbo um, the elephant? No, okay, well, we'll go with Dumbo. There is a Jumbo, but anyway, Dumbo, right? How many of you have seen Dumbo the elephant? He had very big ears, right? Since we're talking about Dumbo. He had big ears. Okay, now right now, how many of you can imagine those ears in your mind? Can you imagine them next to my ears? Can you imagine them? Now I'm busy flying now. Okay, you can see them. But they're not here. But you can see them. Which means that you have a way of augmenting your reality. You can use your imagination to bring something into your reality that isn't there. Come on. This also means that when you bring something into your reality through your imagination that God has promised, you begin to anchor it. Are you with me? You can't, listen, you can't just pull fairy tales out of the air. That's not what I'm talking about here. Okay? The promises of God are available. But how do we access them? Okay? And if you want to have a vision that goes beyond your sight, you have to see the things God sees. And the things God sees are more real to Him. And the life you're living is an imagination to Him. But will, will you line up with His imagination for you so that your life can manifest His plan for your life? So when we talk about the mind of Christ, we talk about engaging the mind of Christ or possessing the mind of Christ or renewing the mind, we're actually talking about the imagination coming back into alignment with who God has created us to be. Okay? So in order to see beyond, you have to be able to see past what is only historical, what is only history, into what is eternal, so that eternity can break into the historical. Okay. Hopefully, that's all good for you. Then the next thing is, the imagination can help make knowledge applicable in solving problems 
and is fundamental to integrating experience and the learning process. Many of you come up with ideas and inventions and solutions to problems in the, the eye of your mind before you create them. How many of you have heard of Elon Musk? He's a South African, which is why I can get to talk about him here. I'm just joking. Um, he, Elon Musk basically is a South African who went overseas and started the Tesla company, if you don't know who he is. And he had a vision to create ca uh, cars that go purely by electricity. Okay? And by, at that stage, everyone was doing hybrids because, because, because. But he just wanted electrical cars because they were faster, cheaper, better, etc. And now, he has one of the biggest companies that create electronic cars, SUVs, and freight carriers, like trucks. You know those 16, 18-wheel trucks. And they outperform diesel trucks. And they go further than diesel trucks. It's amazing what he's, what he's done. Where did that stuff start? Where was the beginning of those ideas? It was in his imagination. So don't ever let anyone tell you, oh, you're just dreaming. Well, everything starts with an imagination. If there's no imagination for it, there's no hope for it. If you imagine something that you believe is beyond your ability, then you will reject it. So if you see a picture in your mind that somehow challenges the truth of who you believe you are, in other words, let's say you see a very successful speaker and you go, no, I don't speak, I don't speak uh, in public. That's not me. And then you shut that down. Your imagination can shut down the things God wants you to walk in because you don't have faith that he can do through you what he is showing you he wants to do through you. Your imagination is also being used for the prophetic. How many of you have seen pictures? These two. No one else sees pictures here? Do you know that you think in pictures? Hat. Did you see the word or did you see the picture? Dog. Cat. House. Mouse. Runt. Run. Jump. So you didn't see the word. You saw the action or the picture of the thing. You think in pictures. This is a fact. Which means that you think with your imagination. Which means that your thought life and your imagination are, to, are connected. And if we don't start engaging our Im imaginations, we won't be able to imagine what it could look like in 2021, in 2022, in 2023, in 2050. We're not going to go trans, um, how can I put it, transgenerationally if we don't go and think beyond just this year at the end of every year it's like okay now we've got to get excited for the new year no 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 we're always excited we're an excited people why because we live for eternity because we have a greater vision a bigger vision than, than just 2020 2020 is a great year. It's going to be amazing and prosperous. If you hold on to what I'm teaching you this morning, you're going to have great vision for this year and for the future. So I'm not discounting this year. But what I'm saying is we need to go bigger in our thinking because our thinking and our imaginations are beginning to limit God and His ability to work in and through our lives. Praise 
And I don't know about you, but I don't want that. Do you? All right. So, these are two scriptures. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. It means you can have many imaginations, but if you, are, but if you want your plans to succeed, if you want whatever you're imagining to come to be, then you've got to line it up with God's plan. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will... So if you want your plans to succeed, what should you do? You should line it up with God's plan. So what's God's plan? How many of you can tell me what God's plan is? This is rhetorical. Sorry. It's rhetorical. I want you to think about what God's plan is. God's plan for you is that you be conformed to the image of His Son, right? That's His plan for you. And so how does that work its way out? Well, it works its way out with you first beginning to imagine what that looks like. You take in the information, your heart becomes enlightened, and you begin to imagine what it's looked like to walk like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to be Jesus in every situation. That when the teller who's cashing you up, who's cashed up another thousand people because it's December, and she's grumpy and upset because life hasn't been that nice to her. And thousand people have, have been very abrupt and rude to her. You're the thousandth and one person and you expect to be treated nicely. So that you in that situation can say, no, Jesus is bigger than this situation. I can, I can lay my life down here because I can see what it looks like to be like Jesus here. You know, if I talk about healings and miracles, then you will immediately disqualify yourself because you haven't yet operated in those things or maybe you believe you can't. But if I talk about everyday things, that's when you can understand what I'm saying. It's everyday. Does that make sense? All right. All right, so let's go on to the next verse. This is the reason... You need to renew your mind. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Is, is, does God want you to know His will? What is good and acceptable and perfect. So we can see very clearly here that when, when it comes to the imagination, we have to come, our imaginations have to come in line with the Word of God. With the way God thinks about every situation. Do you know, I don't care like how bad you think it is right now. Even when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, he still went and raised him from the dead. Nothing was too late nothing was impossible we need to think beyond the limits of this world mm. we need to realize that as citizens of heaven we are not living under the constitution of earth we're living under the constitution of heaven and that as ambassadors we have diplomatic immunity against this place and but we are what governed by the rules of heaven Yeah, under the blood, hallelujah. hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. So our imaginations is a place where we can create and conceive of our ideas. God desires that our imaginations be renewed. The imagination interprets the perceptions of the eyes. And when the imagination is redeemed, it provides a healthy, godly outlook on life. That means that you can look at the same situation someone else looks at and see hope where everyone sees hopelessness. Amen? So we get to the next part, which is the heart of man. Are you learning something? Okay. It's important because these three things work together. Your heart. Okay, so it's your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Right? Your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Those are the things that govern your life. Okay? And so what I'm showing you is with each one of these, you see. You see with your physical eyes, you see with your mind, and you see with your heart. But God always concerns himself with the heart first. Why? Because he knows if he can come in through the heart, it's like a fountain of life that will burst out into the rest of you. God always works from the root out. He doesn't, he doesn't treat symptoms. He, he deals with the problem. Right? And the problem was our heart. Remember, before God flooded the earth, what did he say about man? He said that the thought and the intent of his heart is evil continually. That was the reason God gave why he decided to flood the earth. Because the thought and the intent of man's heart was evil continuously. That's hectic, guys. But that's not where you are. Amen? You have a spirit in you that is constantly reminding you of the spirit of, of, of godliness. And you have the word that's constantly empowering you to pull into your life the, the treasures and the blessings of God. Whereas they weren't. So God had to deal with them. So where your heart is at is very important. Do you know why it is that when people, like when, when a husband and wife disagrees, why it's so dangerous for them? When a husband and wife are in, in disunion, okay, it's, very, it's a very problematic situation. They need to come back into union. They need to come back into agreement. Because you are one. It's like being indecisive. What does the Bible say about a double-minded man? He's unstable in all his ways, and he will not receive anything from the Lord. Isn't that right? Okay. That, it doesn't mean God doesn't want to give him anything. No, it means that God has already given him everything, but he can't receive it because he's unstable. Well, if you have, if you have a strife-filled relationship, two godly people have a strife-filled relationship, it also becomes a double-minded situation because they are one flesh. In the eyes of God, they are one. You are not two. You are one. You are two halves of one whole. Okay? And, and that's where a problem comes in. So you can't have the same thing happening in your mind. You can't have your mind in disunion. Am I right? Okay. Some facts about the heart. The heart can continue beating even when it is disconnected from the body. It is possible to have a broken heart syndrome. People have very rarely died of it. It's very similar to a heart attack and it's normally induced by a stressful situation where your body releases hormones. Which means that how you feel in your heart can literally determine the outcome of your physical body. So what do you think condemnation does to you? 
What do you think shame does to you? What do you think rejection does to you? What do you think the, the feeling that you have to try and compete to prove yourself does to you? If these are all destructive because they're not grounded in this one truth that you have already been loved, accepted, and you are all that God wants you to be. Now go be it. See, most of our behavior that is contrary to who God created us to be is based on the idea that we are still trying to find out who we are. Or we're trying to pretend we're somebody that we're not. To try and fit in because we want to belong. Because you don't know the love of our Father. Does it make sense? Okay. So, laughing is um, good for you, your heart. And it reduces stress and gives a boost to your immune system. So, you definitely want to spend a lot of time laughing. Not crude joking. Just laughing. Amen. Okay. And emotional and physical health are both important for maintaining a healthy heart. So, John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Proverbs 4, 20-27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the spring of life. But away, put away from you crooked speech and put a devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Does it sound like let your eye be single? Does it sound like the eye is the lamp of the body? Huh? Sounds similar to what Jesus was saying? Oh, Jesus had the spirit of wisdom, I'm sure, right? So what are we learning? We're learning that the physical eyes can only report back on whatever light is reflected to us, number one. Number two, the mind is where we are imagining our reality. Okay? So that's where we really see everything that we're seeing in the physical realm. And also, everything that comes through our heart comes either from the treasure of our heart or it comes from the Spirit of God that is in us, that is actually working with our hearts. Do you guys remember um, where it says that I will give you a new spirit and a new heart? A heart of flesh and I will take out the heart of stone. That's because God could not speak to a heart of stone because a heart of stone was insensitive to Him. It was blind to His influence. So God had to change your spirit and your heart in order to be able to speak to your inner man. So that your inner man could actually begin to receive messages directly from heaven. Okay, so now you all have, if you are born again, you all have a new heart and a new spirit, which means that you are soft and sensitive to the word of God. And how many of you have experienced that? Can you put up your hand? How many of you experience that when you read the word, it's like God is speaking directly to your heart? Okay, so and then you'll start to like see things in your imagination. Right. And that's God showing you things. So these things are all working together. Remember, Jesus said, whoever believes in his heart, whoever forgives with his heart. The heart is very important. The eye of the heart needs light to see. The word of God is the light because it brings hope. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For there is treasure, sorry, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we, now we're learning something about where we need to position ourselves. Am I right? Okay, so guys, I know, I know that maybe this, this is quite a long list of things you need to remember, okay? But if you, if you can picture this with your imagination, you can see how these all have a cascading effect, like a domino that triggers all the way through. If your heart is right, everything else in your life will be right. If your heart is bad, everything in your life will be bad. What he says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Then the very next sentence, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. He's not saying the eyes. He says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. He's talking about your heart. He was just talking about the heart in the context of what he was talking about. He was saying that where you live from is important. Do you, what have you given your heart to? Because his conclusion is that you can't serve both God and money. And these are the only two things that contend for your heart. You see, money is the only thing that can ever try and promise you the things that God has already given you. Amen for those of you who got that. Because money will say, I'll, I'll keep you healthy. I'll keep you safe. I'll keep you secure. But it always fails. And it always has a limit. And even if you died, God will still keep you. So even death has no power over you. Do you understand? What we have is so much greater than what money can ever provide for. Because Jesus is king, not money. And this is what Jesus was talking about. He says, your heart can't belong to both masters at the same time. And if your heart is in the wrong place, your whole body will be messed up. But if your heart is in the right place, your whole body will be full of life. So you've got to see beyond what you see. If you want to walk by the Spirit, how do we do this? How do we see beyond? We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. What is faith? Faith is hope in action. It's you acting as if what you believe God said about you is true. So if he said you're holy, then you're going to act holy. And if he said you're righteous, then you're going to act righteous. And if he said you're pure, then you're going to be pure. Why? Because you believe him. Because can you be pure in yourself? Can you be righteous in, your, in yourself? Do you know what the word righteous means? It's the word tzedakah. It literally means that you, you're the kind of person that is charitable to the degree of your own expense. You will do the right thing no matter what it costs you. You'll do what is right no matter what. Righteousness. Jesus did what was right no matter what. For the joy set before him, Jesus was able to see beyond what he saw. Because he saw you. 
before he was on that cross. He did it for you. You can see beyond your circumstances today. Come on, guys. God wants our hearts to be focused, untroubled, guarded, submerged, and steeped in His reality. He wants, he wants our imagination so flooded with His reality that we could sit in the middle of one of the most chaotic situations and still be at peace and no one understand why because we have peace that surpasses understanding. You see, you should not be moved by the storms of life. Because the truth is, the storms are going to come. They come for everyone. But the house that is built firm on the rock, that house doesn't move and isn't moved. And that house, the house that was built on the rock, is the one who is built on the words of Jesus. Jesus said, whoever does these things that I say, he is a wise man who builds his house on the rock. I don't know about you, but I'm building my house on the rock. Truth by truth, line upon line, precept upon precept. Because no storm is going to shake me ever again. Because we've all had storms and they've shaken us. But today God is saying, I want to give you vision beyond your vision. I want to show you what's beyond what you can see. Beyond the circumstances and the, and the problems and the little things that are happening in your life. I want you to know that I've got you in every circumstance so that when you see trouble coming, you know angels are on their way. Who, let me ask you this one question. Who can tell me, biblically, whenever um, it's been referred to as the armies of the Lord, who are the armies of the Lord? Okay. Anybody else? The angels. Right? The only time we are called um, fighters, or that is in the New Testament where Paul is relating to us as being steadfast and standing ground and putting on the armor of God. So we're part of the army, right? But the Bible says that the armies of the Lord are the angels. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Do you you understand what that means? Okay, who is the commander-in-chief of the armies of the Lord? Where are you seated? In Christ. Come on. Okay, you need follow me on this, okay? If you are in Christ, who's in Christ? Then you are seated in Christ. In heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and darkness and rulers of this world. That means that all things that have been placed under His feet have been placed under your feet. Isn't that right? All things, not some things, all things have been placed under His feet. So they've been placed under your feet. And if He is the commander-in-chief of His armies, then you are the commander-in-chief of the armies of the Lord. Because you are the kings that He is king over. And you are the lords that He is lord over. When it says He is King of kings and Lord of lords, who do you think that it's speaking about? The Bible says in 1 Peter very clearly that you are a royal nation, a holy priesthood set, before, set apart, a people chosen by God. What is a royal priest? One who is both a priest and a king. So can you, can you say something with me? 
When I speak, when I speak, heaven agrees and hell obeys. When I speak, heaven agrees and hell obeys. When I speak, heaven agrees and hell obeys. I am a son of the living God. So this morning, if you want that situation that you're in right now to be completely turned around, if you want freedom from the things that are oppressing you, whether it be sickness, disease, mental illness, anything, I don't care what it is. If it has a name, my Bible says every name that can be named will bow its knee to the name of Jesus. There is no name that has been given unto men by way man should be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ. So today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of freedom. Today is the day where you can go beyond what you've seen, your circumstances and everything. So if you want to be part of that kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, if you want freedom from sickness and disease, in any of these areas, if you need God to break into your world, then I would really, really love the ministry team to come up and those who need prayer to come up.